episode 136, How to Fail and Why You Might Want To. This is the Expat Mom Podcast, a podcast for expat moms around the world who want to feel better and improve their emotional health as they navigate the unique challenges of living and mothering abroad. I'm your host, Jenny Linton. I'm a certified life coach, a mom to four daughters, and married to a U.S. diplomat. I've lived in six countries on four continents. I know what it's like to feel stuck emotionally, and I know how to get unstuck. I'm excited to share with you some tools to help you feel less discouraged, improve your relationships, and increase your confidence. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is our final episode in the Getting It Done Boot Camp series. And I hope that you're rocking your goal. And if you are one of those people who likes to think about things a little bit longer before jumping in, it is not too late. You can still click on and start the Getting It Done Boot Camp. And you could even just start this series of episodes over. It is never too late, so jump on. Or if you started it and it didn't work out, jump back in and start over. No problem. Just click the link in the show notes. There's a free um, boot camp that I'm providing. And every week I send you a worksheet and you can listen to the corresponding podcast to give you some tips and tools for the road. And this is our final episode, which is entitled How to Fail and Why You Might Want to. So this might seem a little counterintuitive for most of us, but it's actually one of the most important skills to learning how to actually stick with a particular skill. So I'm excited for you to learn these tips and tools, and I hope you enjoy the last episode in this series. Welcome back to the podcast. You know, one of the things that I love and hate about living abroad is that every time we move somewhere new, we have to get used to a whole new set of places to buy things and where to find things. And one of the things that we have come to really love about China is Taobao, which those of you who aren't familiar, it's sort of like a Chinese version of Amazon, but it has pretty much everything you could want, but way cheaper. And the other day, my daughter said, mom, most of the time when we order stuff, it's a Taobao nail, but sometimes it's a Taobao fail. We all totally busted up laughing because it is so true. We have gotten some pretty crazy stuff on Taobao. <laughs> we were all just commenting on how much we're going to miss it when we move. And that ties right in with our topic today, which is failure. I don't know about you, but I don't know very many people who like to fail. Failure feels disappointing, it feels discouraging, and it's embarrassing. And most of us don't really enjoy feeling those kinds of feelings, so we often go to really big lengths to avoid failure. For example, maybe we don't go to an exercise class because we worry that we might look weird. We don't talk to someone new because we worry they might not like us. We don't try something new because we don't know how. The problem with our fear of failing is that it keeps us from doing things or at least it slows us down and keeps us from doing things all in. Whether we like it or not, life includes a lot of failure. And since we can't just remove failure, I want to teach you how to fail. This might sound a little bit funny to talk about learning how to fail. Most of us think we're pretty good at failing already, but failing and knowing how to fail in a way that helps you is different. 
Let me explain what I mean by sharing a story from my growing up. I grew up in Colorado in the United States where we spent a lot of winter skiing. And I still remember the first thing that my ski instructor told us on the first day of ski school. He said, I'm going to teach you how to fall. I was 12 and I was really confused. I thought to myself, I'm here to learn how to ski, not fall down. I'm pretty sure I can figure out the falling down part on my own. But he proceeded to show us that when we felt that we were getting out of control, we should carefully lean all the way to one side and carefully bring our skis around front as we stopped. This way we could slow down and stay in control when we fell instead of flailing all over and risking injury. The instructor explained that learning how to fall was an essential part of learning how to ski because we would be falling many times as we learned to ski. He explained that if we knew how to fall in a safe way and we felt comfortable doing it, we'd feel a lot more comfortable to try skiing and try going even faster as we skied. Similarly, as we try new things and approach our goals, we're going to fail whether we want to or not. When we learn how to fail in a way that feels safer to our brains, it opens up so much more confidence to us to be able to try new things. It helps us take risks and be really willing to go all in. Today, I want to share four tips to help you fail the right way so that you can rock your goals and succeed in a bigger and better way. Before we jump into those, I just want to remind you that this is your last chance to sign up for the Getting It Done Bootcamp. This is a self-paced um, challenge that you can do on your own, and every week you receive a new challenge to help you accomplish a goal in 30 days. And you can listen to all of the January podcasts to get some tips and tricks. And in each of the emails and challenges each week, you receive a download to help you apply some of the things that we've talked about this January. Next week on the podcast, we are going to be moving into our next topic, which is marriage. So I'm really excited for that topic and the getting it done bootcamp will close. So go ahead. If you are interested, this is your last chance to sign up and it will um, guide you through the self-paced bootcamp. Okay, so tip number one for how to fail the right way is to change what you make failure mean. So failure often brings up, as we talked about, feelings like shame, disappointment, and frustration. But remember, where do our feelings come from? They always come from our thoughts. So for example, one reason we might feel disappointed when we fail is that we expected to do one thing and we didn't accomplish it. We only accomplished something less than that goal. The reason we feel frustration about failing is that we believe that we should have accomplished our original expectation. And the reason we feel shame around failing is because we think there's something wrong with us for not accomplishing our original expectation. These are really common thoughts that many of us experience around failure, but that doesn't mean that they are the natural result of failure. Our thoughts and feelings around failure are always optional. And you might be surprised that you already have examples of this in your daily life. For example, one of the examples that my mentor, Brooke Castillo gives that I really like, it has to do with pouring a glass of water. So you've probably poured a glass of water many times, and you've probably spilled while pouring a few times. When you spill the glass of water, it's kind of annoying, but you don't usually go down into a shame spiral or a frustration spin just because you failed at pouring the water. So why is failing at pouring a glass of water different than failing at a different goal that we have? Is it possible that the reason it's different is because of what we're making failure mean about ourselves? 
When we spilled the water, we're disappointed. We wanted it to go in the glass and it didn't, but we didn't add the fact that we should have made it go in the glass. We recognize that we're humans and we're not always perfect at the physical execution of tasks. We also don't shame ourselves into thinking that we're a terrible human being just because we didn't execute our task with precision. Somehow, we're able to just accept the fact that we spilled the water, clean it up, and re-pour the water, and go on our way without any of the emotional drama around it. So why are we able to have these kinds of thoughts and experiences around failure with pouring water, and not around things like relationship issues, or work goals, or our weight? At first, you might be thinking, well, because pouring water doesn't really matter. Relationships and work and weight really does. But I want you to consider that again for a minute. Think about a two or a three-year-old who wants to learn how to pour water, and they're trying to pour water into the cup and they spill. I don't know about you, but my two and three-year-olds have fallen apart because they want so badly to be able to do it themselves. They want to be able to pour the water, and it's so discouraging when it doesn't happen. For them, pouring water successfully into a glass is similar to our experience with setting goals around relationships or work or weight or whatever it is. The reason we have all the drama around it is because we're somehow attaching our sense of value and identity to whatever it is we're pursuing. When we mess up, it threatens our sense of self or our sense of our own value. Once we learn how to pour a glass of water, we no longer attach our sense of value and identity to pouring a glass of water. That's why it's upsetting for a two or three-year-old, but as an adult, it doesn't really matter to us. So I think there's an important lesson here. If we want to shift the way that we feel about failing, we can start by not equating the successful outcome of our goal with our worth or positive identity. I want to challenge you to think that the opposite could be true. Is it possible that when we fail and we keep trying, or if we go all in, even if we fail, that those are actually more accurate indicators of our value and success than the success itself? Most great people have failed many times. A few summers ago, our family took a U.S. history tour up the East Coast. We visited the home and factory of Thomas Edison, the inventor of the light bulb, the phonograph, and several other important inventions that we still enjoy today. He once said this about the process of inventing the light bulb. I have not failed 10,000 times. I have not failed once. I have succeeded in proving that those 10,000 ways will not work. I am so glad that Thomas Edison did not stop when he failed the first time or the 20th time or the 100th time. Every time he tried something that didn't work, he considered it helpful information that helped him get closer to figuring out what would work. What if we thought about failing differently? What if we thought about failing as gathering information to figure out eventually what will work? Is it possible that failing is not about falling or backtracking? Is it possible that failing is actually about moving forward? Is it possible that it's getting us closer to our goal? When we think about failing as gathering information, as moving closer to our goal rather than farther away, Failing becomes something that we can tolerate. We can even appreciate it. Rather than associating failure with a diminished sense of self or identity, we could use our choice to keep going even after failure as an indicator, not of our failure of character and talent, but the opposite. 
It could indicate our tenacity, our courage, our commitment, resiliency, our willingness to work, our confidence, and our humility. I love the image of failing forward. I love the idea that we can become better and stronger as we fail. This is a much more fun and much more useful view of failing. And choosing to redefine how we think about failure and what we make it mean about ourselves is an important key to learning how to fail the right way. Tip number two is to try to fail or at least increase your tolerance for risk and failure. Now, this probably sounds a little bit strange. Even if we accept the idea that failure can be useful and help us grow, who would want to try to fail? Let me go back to our skiing analogy for a minute. After I learned to ski, I spent a lot of time on the green hills. For those of you who don't ski, that means the green hills are the easier beginner hills. And I got pretty proficient at them. I could do my wide ski plow stance and take wide sweeping turns and make it to the bottom of the hill without falling. At first, this was a victory. And I could have continued doing that and considered myself successful. But one day, I decided to try a blue hill. That's the next level up in difficulty. It was a little bit more challenging, and I fell a few times. It was also a lot more fun, and I could get a lot more speed and thrill from it. So I could keep hanging out on the green hills and be quote-unquote successful. But was I really? Or does success look different sometimes? Was falling actually an indication of more success because I was stretching myself? Ramit Sethi, a financial expert who's been featured on many popular news sources, has a really refreshing perspective on failure. He believes that failure is evidence that we're stretching ourselves and accomplishing all that we can. He says that he expects to fail at least five times per month. And if he isn't failing, he says he doesn't think he's working hard enough. In fact, he even keeps track of his failures and uses them as evidence that he's stretching himself, evidence that he's learning and growing and becoming Isn't that a fascinating perspective? Have you ever considered trying to fail? Or that if you aren't failing, maybe you aren't stretching yourself enough? I love this perspective. When we actively seek out failure or at least seek out more challenge in our lives, knowing we're more likely to fail, we open ourselves up to so many more possibilities for ourselves and we shift our whole mindset about failing. If you think about anything that you want to become better at, it requires practice. And that includes failing. Sometimes we have to practice failing so we can become better at it. Let me give you a really simple example of how I use this principle to shift my mindset and my kids' mindset about failing in a day-to-day type of experience. One day, my daughters and I were trying to get a taxi. We live in China, but our Chinese is not very impressive. Taxis in China are infamous for not wanting to take foreigners. And we were definitely no exception on this day. The first empty taxi looked at us and drove right past us. The second one purposely moved to the farthest lane to avoid us. And the third one stopped, but after he looked at the address, he yelled something at us in Chinese and motioned for us to get out of the taxi. At this point, my girls and I were discouraged. It was hot, and we were worried about being late, and we were all complaining. We want to go home and give up. My brain kept offering me thoughts like, why won't these taxis take us? Is there something wrong with us? This is so frustrating. But those thoughts caused me to feel even more disappointed, embarrassed, and frustrated. I wanted to set a different tone for my kids. So I said, hey, ladies, let's see how many taxis we can get to refuse us. I bet it will be nine. My kids perked up and took bets on how many taxis might refuse us. 
As the taxis drove by us, it turned into a game to see who would get closest to their bet. Of course, we didn't really want the taxis to refuse us, but shifting our attention to actively seeking it out shifted our feelings from irritation and discouragement to enjoyment and curiosity. Eventually, we did get a taxi and we were on our way. But amazingly, by that point, our spirits were a lot higher. We had fun comparing how many times it took to get a taxi versus how many we had guessed. And one of my daughters won. Her guess was seven. Changing our failure into a game made it fun. But this mindset shift isn't just useful for daily annoyances. It can be applied to relationships or to work or to any type of goal. For example, one time I challenged myself to find a way to break through the tough veneer of someone in my life. I tried so many things and none of them worked. It became almost comical how many times and how many ways I tried and failed. But eventually, one day something worked. And it was not just a little breakthrough. It was a huge breakthrough. It was so tender and so much sweeter to finally connect with this person because I had kept going and kept trying to break through. Had I allowed my normal frustrations and resentments of failing to be my dominant feelings along the way, I might not have been willing to keep trying and I might not have been as open to connecting when the time was right. Business is the same way. One of my colleagues just shared that she tried 14 different iterations of her webinar to find the one that actually converted. 14, that is a lot of fails. And she kept going and now she has a really successful business. What if we sought out failure because we knew it was the only way through to big success? I mean, what's the alternative anyway? It's either stopping or playing small forever. Tip number three is focusing on the right type of failure. There are actually different types of failure. One type is useful and the other is not. Let me explain the difference between the types of failure by going back to our ski analogy. One way of failing failing that would not be useful would be that I might just do the blue hill, but after the first couple of bumps when I feel tired, I might just sit down and wait for the snowmobile to come up and get me. I would be failing, but that wouldn't be failing the right way. That would be giving up. I could also fail or fall, by choosing to go on a double black diamond without working up to it and be likely to break my leg. That would be kind of lame and stupid. I know that it's not reasonable for me to do a black diamond. I wasn't prepared. Sometimes we self-sabotage ourselves by purposely trying something way too hard that we're not prepared for. And I could also just fail by choosing never to try the blue hill at all. Failing to try it all, not showing up fully in the things we commit to, or purposely self-sabotaging is not the kind of failure that will help us succeed. This type of failing drives us deeper into shame, guilt, and despair. Failing the right way looks sort of like starting at the top of the blue hill. I'm feeling nervous, but I do my best all the way to the bottom, even when I'm tired and it's hard. I might fall multiple times. Maybe I challenge myself to try a patch of moguls. Maybe I fall. Maybe I even twist my ankle, but when I go all in on something that I know is possible for me to do, but is stretching me, that's the right kind of failure. In order to fail right, we have to try the right way too. When we fail by showing up fully, failure can feel like a badge of honor. It's not shameful or discouraging. This kind of failure is what allows us to learn something and become stronger. The last tip for failing in the right way is getting your own back when you fail. 
You might think that the worst part of failing is what others think, but actually the worst part of failing is usually what we think about ourselves. It's how we talk to ourselves. It's how we berate and diminish ourselves. Isn't that sad? The person who has the potential to be our biggest cheerleader is often our worst critic. It's ourselves. If you want to fail well, then the final step is choosing before you even start any goal or new behavior, how you will treat yourself if or when you fail. Will you be harsh and critical and angry? The way you treat yourself when you fail is always a choice. You could choose to go all in on a goal. And even if you fail, you could get your own back. You could choose to build yourself up and congratulate yourself on what you did do. You could choose to notice progress instead of a lack of perfection. You could choose kindness instead of vindictiveness. And the best part is this is entirely in your control. A couple years ago, I decided I was done criticizing myself and filling my mind with self-vitriol. I decided to stop. Whenever I notice my self-talk heading in that direction, I stop myself and redirect it. There will always be plenty of evidence to use to convict myself for inadequacy. But I've noticed that when I do that, it doesn't help propel me forward toward more success. I've noticed I can't beat myself up into being better. So if you want to know how to fail better, decide now what you'll say to yourself when or if you do fail. Some of my favorite phrases are, good on you for trying, or, well, that didn't work, now what? Or, bummer, okay, what's next? Or, you are amazing for sticking with this self. So let's summarize how to fail in a useful way. Tip number one, change what you make failure mean. Tip number two, seek out and even track failure. Tip number three, choose the right kind of failure. Tip number four, decide ahead of time to get your own back no matter what happens. Okay, so before we finish up, we're going to end with our expat X strategy. So for those of you who are new here, this is a place where we apply what we've learned on the podcast. It's a place where we talk about how to get out of experiencing something that we don't want to experience. In this case, we're going to talk about how to exit out of our fear of failure. And we learn how to put into practice the principles we've just learned. So think about a goal or a New Year's resolution that you've been working on. What is your current definition of failure? If you do fail at your goal, what will you make that mean about yourself? Is there any way you could change that? Is there a way that you could stretch yourself a little bit more at your goal, even if it means failing a little bit more? Are you really going all in? Take a minute right now and think about one or two things that you could say to yourself if you fail that would help build yourself up instead of beat yourself up. At the beginning of the podcast, we talked about how most of us don't know very many people who like to fail. But I've noticed as I've been trying to implement some of these things, failing really isn't that bad, but even better. As I've implemented these things, I've realized that I'm not as afraid of failure and it's allowed me to try new things and go after new goals that felt too scary before because I was afraid of failing. I hope as you implement some of these things, it will open up a whole new set of possibilities for you. 
Because just like my ski instructor taught me that when we know how to fall, we learn to have the courage to ski. When we learn how to fail, we learn to have the courage to go after big goals and to try things that seem hard, even if we know there's a risk of failing. If you'd like help shifting your mindset about goals or about failing, or if you'd like help on any other topic, I'd love to help you. Sign up for a free 30-minute mini coaching session on my website, theexpatmom.com. Sometimes people say, how on earth could you actually make any progress in 30 minutes? But you'd be surprised. Coaching is a modern high-speed way of helping shift the way that you see things. And you might be surprised how much progress you can make in a short period of time. I look forward to talking to you. I'll talk to you next week. If you like listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. I really appreciate hearing what you're learning or how the podcast has been helpful for you. It also helps other people find the podcast. And if you'd like to receive bite-sized inspiration straight to your inbox each week, sign up for One Minute Wisdom for Expat Moms. The link is in the show notes. If you'd like help applying the tools you're learning on this podcast, sign up for a free, private, 30-minute mini coaching session on any topic you'd like help on. 
you can schedule it on my website, theexpatmom.com forward slash schedule. Also, if you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes to help other people find it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.